Quick, come up with something funny to say. Hello? Yo. Bork. Oh, that's really cool. Somehow I think you're lying. Uh-huh. Oh, fail. Oh. Ah! Bad Philosophy, episode 61, recorded on March 28th, 2010. Newspaper Zombies. Welcome in one to Bad Philosophy, upsetting the balance of reality one rabbit trail at a time. And this is our 61st episode, everyone. My name is Stephen Torrance. I'm your host today. And we're here to talk about the death of journalism, question mark. So first off, I'd like to introduce the guest that we have on the show today. To my left, her first time, a fan of Bad Philosophy, I understand, right? You've been listening for a little while. Ashley Lyles. So we have a little tradition here. Uh, Since it's your first time on the show, if you could go ahead and uh, introduce yourself and say why you're cool. Why I'm cool? Well, I'm Ashley Lyles, as you said, and I guess I'm cool because I'm a journalism major, so I might know a little bit about this topic. So I guess that's why you guys asked me on the show. Mm-hmm. All right. And I'm also friends with you, so I guess that makes sense. Yes. And coming on the show for his second time in a row, Simon Ponder. And you can see him on video this time. How, yes, How awesome yes. is that? <laughs> trying to shoot video in, in Austin, but the camera kept turning off. Uh, yeah. Those sad days. But we've got actual video this time. And we're coming to y'all live on Stickam, which is something we haven't done in a while. <clears throat> so for, y- for those of y'all listening, it's completely irrelevant. But for those of y'all who are watching right now, thanks for being here. We really appreciate your dedication to the show. We have a significant audience today. Yeah, yeah, we do. It's, it's quite nice. And that voice that just uh, sprouted out of the ether there is the one and only Kevin Saunders. Kevin, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. I just had a um, study session for one of my classes, which actually had a midterm, which is very strange for a graduate school class. A midterm? Indeed. Yeah, it's weird. You want to, want to tell us a little bit about it? You don't care, trust me. Okay. He doesn't want to tell <laughs> us about it, apparently. Well, you, I don't particularly care, and so <laughs> you probably Truth care less, because this is my major, like this is the thing I've dedicated my life to. Right. And I don't particularly care about this particular thing, so... (laughs) Okay, well, I guess we'll just move on with the show then, if uh, Kevin doesn't want to share. Journalism. Newspapers. And uh, the death of both of them. Newspapers have been seeing a a decline in readership for a long time. Journalism has seen uh, some pretty big evolutions, uh, as thanks to the internet. And today I'd like to talk about some perspectives that y'all might have on this issue from being involved in it. Ashley, you're majoring in journalism. Simon, you work for the Avalanche Journal. So both of y'all sort of have an inside track on uh, what all's going on right now. First off, well, let's let's separate. I've heard some of y'all say this before. Journalism and uh, publishing newspapers, separate things. Mm -hmm. Uh, Newspapers are just the medium through which journalism goes right now, or one medium through which it does. So the first question I've got for y'all, are newspapers dying? Nope. Nope? No. Okay. They're suffering. They're <laughs> suffering a lot. They're hemorrhaging. They won't die. So we've seen a lot of closures of newspapers in the recent history. A lot of um, cities that had multiple uh, running newspapers right. have closed down at least one of them. Some towns don't even have a newspaper anymore. What do you say to people? Sun shut down a couple years ago. Which one? 
the Grapevine Sun, my hometown newspaper. Mm-hmm. But were you being um, Grapevine is part of Dallas, right? No. What? What? Grapevine is a separate city. It's near Dallas. It's near Dallas. But it's its own city. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, what you see in those situations is like kind of the larger newspapers kind of gobbling up the smaller ones around it for a variety of. But reasons. that's certainly not new. I mean, we've had stuff like that when the when you know there are three or four different newspapers going on at once for a single city. You'd have like a morning post, an evening post, and you know the afternoon time. I'm making these names up, and they would all kind of one would do, take over the other and keep on going from there. Yeah. That's been happening for a number of years. And, like, uh, Jed is from Colorado. The the Denver newspaper, the Denver Post, I believe, Rocky Mountain News, mm. closed down. They operated under this, this weird tradition in the newspaper industry called the Joint Operations Agreement. It was this weird thing that Congress set up to where newspapers would have separate newsrooms but share a business office. So all of your advertising would be handled through one office, and yet you'd have two distinct products. And, you know, Albuquerque operated under the same way for years. Uh, Las Vegas has a, a still-functioning JOA. And it's it's kind of... Justice League of America? It's, it's <laughs> this weird thing that it, it worked for a while. It was kind of an experiment, and now it's not working so well. And I don't know... Whose bright idea it was, but it's it's slowly being stamped out. So you're seeing that going on, and you know th- this recession hurt newspapers a lot because our two big cash cows were always real estate and automotive. Mm-hmm. You you kill out those cash cows, and we go from having this huge profit margin to oh we're still making a profit, but it's not where we used to be. I mean, that's where we are right now. We're we're still profitable. We're just not as strong as we used to be. So that's where a lot of the reductions have happened is you aren't bringing in the same amount of money, so a newspaper reduces staff, right. Um, right. maybe and, focuses a little bit more. And part of that was, was newspapers were profitable, and then you had, you know, Gannett, Morris, and all those start buying up newspapers all over the country because newspapers were profitable. Right. When these corporate offices came in, you had this bloated corporate office, so the the fifteen percent profit that it was making wasn't good enough anymore. You need to push it to thirty percent, you need to push it to, you know, sixty percent profit. And you know, we have these huge, you know, corporate infrastructures to support now where we didn't have that before. And so yes, you know, nationwide profits are down fifteen percent, but that's not that bad because we're still doing better than what we used to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, Ashley, do you have any initial comments on this? Like, newspapers are dying, maybe? I think that um, this is actually a really interesting time to watch newspapers. I feel like in order for them to um, thrive again, they're going to have to do something revolutionary. But um, I can understand why a lot of people argue that journalism might be dying because of the newspapers, because major corporations are buying up newspapers, and so um, they're taking on a more profitous primary mindset. And so um, just a lot of people who um, are watching the journalism field are saying that if the corporations are taking over these newspapers, um, maybe the value of the journalism is going to decline because they're going to, you know, mm. report what sells. So that's a major argument, but I don't 
see that killing the newspapers, and I certainly don't see that killing journalism because there's always going to be journalists that have you know yeah. good integrity. I mean, if you want an ex example of it, you know, people are saying newspapers are dying, and I'm going to post a link to the chat room. We all see. Sorry, it has autoplaying video. Uh, this is a story one of our reporters at the AJ started working on a few years ago. Um, I'm sure you all have heard of the, of the Timothy Cole case in Texas. Uh, this, um, summarize it real quick. Yeah. Uh, this man was accused of rape back in 1985, I believe. Uh, he was innocent. He was run through the judicial process, found guilty, was in prison for 25 years, and died in prison. Um, the family kind of asked, you know, somebody to look into this. So one of our reporters one day decided to start looking into it, started digging into it. The end result is Texas state law has been changed. Um, they are now going back through the history of the court and looking at what went wrong and how to fix it. Hmm. And they're going to retry several cases where, oh, this man might actually be innocent and he's been in prison for, you know, 15 years. Dang. So journalism still has its place. It's You still need that person who's, you know, going to spend, I, I think he started this case in... 2007 and it's 2000 you know Cole was just pardoned back in March okay so he basically spent several years working on this story you know he went through hundreds of pages of court documents interviewed all sorts of people trying to figure out what the truth is mm -hmm. this wasn't like you know, you know it's not as big as the Watergate scandal but that kind of, it's that kind of drive to, to mm -hmm. really get to the bottom of something. That's the saving grace of, of journalism, in particular newspaper journalism. So it's, you think that something like that couldn't have happened through, say, you know, Huffington Post? Oh, or, it can absolutely happen through Huff, Huffington Post, but Huffington Post has a national focus. Okay. Well, what, what about, say, like a, a locally focused uh, blog, for instance? It, it, it could still happen, but, you know, it's for some Would reason... Would it have gotten the same exposure, is what you're saying? Or? Might not have gotten the same exposure, and then you've got to remember that different media, we have a different attention span towards. We have a different mm. attention span on, on, you know, broadcast news. Broadcast news, it seems to be there's about 30 seconds to a minute per story, and then it's on to the next thing, and it's on to the next thing, and it's right. on to the next thing. Whereas in a newspaper, if it's a big enough, you know, you know, let's pick on Bobby Knight. When Bobby Knight left Tech... It wasn't a story. You know, you had newspapers creating an entire special section mm -hmm. that day. But I think I, I think that doesn't mean necessarily the attention span is bigger. That means there's more focus. Right. If the attention span was bigger, then they wouldn't talk about things like front-loading or the inverted pyramid or whatever mm. they call it, where you have to put all of your important information in the first two or three paragraphs because that's all the majority of the people are going to read. So I think the attention span isn't a different thing. There's potential for more information. If somebody's interested, they can keep reading. True. But you know, if I'm interested in X, Y, Z, I can do I can read more than just a Wikipedia page. Or if so I only have a passing interest, I read the first line of wiki. Well, and that's where um, it, it reminds me of a session I went to at uh, South by Southwest recently, talking about just sort of the the depth uh, that news coverage both online and papers should go into uh, and basically what this person was arguing is that we're getting we're getting to a point where we appreciate context more than immediate update so news 
news articles for a long time have been, and this goes for paper and, and online, uh, have been, let's give you the very latest on what's happening now with a really brief recap, maybe. Like, so hey, you remember Haiti had an earthquake. Let's talk about what this Red Cross unit is doing right here, right now. Rather than maybe adding on to the, the body of information already on the Haiti earthquake uh, and having like a, a running Wikipedia-esque summary of everything that's going on related to a certain topic. Um, and so it relates to the attention span in so far as users kind of want the, the in-depth information. If you look at links, over a long period of time, the, the stories that get the most clicks are the ones that are, you know, the summary of the, the Iran election crisis or the 10 things you need to know about the healthcare debate, the kind of summary, here's all of the information you need on this topic in one place, articles. So, I mean, I challenge your, your assertion there that, that attention span is different on the internet or in broadcasts. I think people want the information, but they also want the updates as well. So right. both, both need to be made available. Are newspapers really the best way to go about that? Obviously, you can't print again and again and again all of the information on a certain topic. You have to just print the new stuff. Right. Whereas online, That's something can offer you- that, that has interested me. Sorry, you, you mentioned you know reprinting newspapers and things like that. Right. Um, something I actually did some work with uh, newspaper theater not too long ago, and one of the things that intrigued me that. Uh, I discovered newspaper theater, but most of the stuff I was reading, I was reading from newspapers online. Mm-hmm. And one particular article I, was, I came at and then revisited a month or so later. And a month later, the article, I read the article, didn't notice anything different about it, but I got to the end and said, note, this article has been changed to reflect uh, new information, X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. One thing that, and, and this is something that, that maybe, uh, favor of I don't know, but the change wasn't obvious in the article. I knew what was different, so I, could, I actually did have a printout of the original article, and eventually a number got changed from an estimate to an exact number, mm-hmm. but the number had been changed in the article as I read it. So, except for that at the end, there was no way to know that it, that it was different. Yeah. Which I think is an important thing. I mean, yes, we can update news information, but you know, an R, a newspaper to retract. You might turn it on page 18 and look at the box and you can't see it. They're not looking for it. But on the same side, media, if we want to call it that, is much easier to change and notice it. Sure, sure. Uh, and, and that's, I mean, it's a, no arguing that obviously updating and keeping information current in a web format is a lot easier uh, than doing it with a newspaper. Commenting for newspapers, you have to have an editorial, right? Um, people writing in, either you include that in a later issue. Newspaper or online, it's all in the the comments thread under the article. If comments are enabled, <laughs> obviously the New York Times doesn't put comments under their articles anymore. Right, and, and that's that's always been kind of a, a mixed bag thing. I mean, most news stories should have comments. <clears throat> There's a comment section on our obituary section. <laughs> really? Because it's all built on the same templating technology. Uh, and comments are great, but when you start bashing someone in their obit, it's like... Yeah. It, it gets out of control very quickly, and 
it's it's a mess to deal with. You know, I, when I was the online editor at the the DT, I had to read every comment that went on that website. Hmm. Most most commenters are relatively sane, <laughs> but then there are some. You, you'll write a football story. Well, they're sane for the internet, <laughs> right? That's 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 the relativity. They're right. sane by four chan standards. <laughs> but then you'll get you'll have a football story about you know, well. I don't even like Tommy Tuberville picks so and so, and it'll right. be uh, a three hundred page article, just you know, a little background on the kid, and you know that kind of stuff. A three hundred page or three hundred word? Three hundred pages of, of awesome. a dissertation uh, on a certain player. No, no. But the com- <laughs> the comment that someone will leave re- leave is about how you know Lubbock is an awful place because of you know religion and you know all this kind of stuff. And it'll be a 2,000-word comment. <laughs> and you're sitting there going, huh? Uh, okay. Yeah. I, I feel bad for having read that. Well, and, and I mean, we'll get into the, the subject of commenting in a bit here, but I, I just I want to go back again to the, um, you know, how the industry is looking at, at newspapers for the immediate future. And, and Ashley, I want to ask you about this. In your classes, are they teaching still newspaper journalism in addition to everything else, or are they kind of saying, let's move on? Um, I am taking two classes with Mr. Wernsman right now, and he is actually very optimistic about the future of newspaper journalism. Um, Okay. And so is Dr. Dean. They both believe that, you know, newspapers are going to have to do something to get ahead of the times. Like, they're going to have to revolutionize themselves, and that's what we're taught. But they certainly don't discourage anything that has to do with newsprint. Um, In fact, we have been studying how, while broadcast journalism is, you know, certainly a lot of people turn to the TV to get their news, Mm -hmm. it's never going to take the place of some of the advantages that newspapers have over you know, broadcasting. And, and a lot of journalism programs around the country are saying, okay, we need to teach this technology, but nothing can replace good reporting. Exactly. Right. And, and good writing. Because ultimately, you know, if I'm, if I'm at work and, and I see an interesting news story pop up on Twitter, if it's got a video and that's all, I'm going to click away from it because I can't watch a video because I'm sharing, a, you know, an office with my boss. Sure. If it's got, you know, words... I can read that in five minutes, and my boss will never be the wiser, and <laughs> I won't get in trouble. What? That's, that's great. Can that I ask be a question? A, yeah. Yeah, go ahead, Kevin. That's, it's going to sound mean, but it's not, and I'll explain why it's not mean. But <laughs> Kevin, you don't have are, to preface your comments, really. I mean, we, we've come to yeah, expect fine. it. <laughs> what are the advantages of print journalism other than, quote-unquote, good reporting, good journalism? Print media. What are the advantages? I, I, I'm honestly asking this. It's it's the value that we place in the written word ultimately. So yeah. putting it down on paper somehow makes it stick, makes it more significant, it's, gives it weight. It's a record once right. it's been recorded. It's, it's an archival object that can be searchable, and it's it's a historical record. The, so ultimately, the value in it. If the New York Times is online and searchable. Right, but it's well for now. It is. Yeah. Um, it's the value. Okay, that, but but paywalls. We'll get to those. Oh God, I've got an article up about that right now. But uh, but no, I mean I really am asking this because this actually relates to some things that I've been thinking about as well. But so so it's in print, which it's better. We said the print media is better because it's in print. I, I would say that written media is better, not just print media, just. The written okay. word is more valuable to me as an individual 
than an audio recording. Podcasts are great, video's great, but ultimately I like to really just sit down and read something. Hmm. Nothing's better in the morning than a cigarette, a cup of coffee, and the newspaper. And what about you, Ashley? Like, what, what do you think is the, the real value of newspaper journalism? Personally, um, if you just look back in history, anytime anyone's ever wanted to research, I mean, I know that the technology, of course, has to do with this. We didn't have, you know, video recording way back when, but when you go back to research something or learn about, you know, a historical event, you look to the written record because there's just, there really is value in the written word. Once someone has taken the time to put it down, it's been said, it's been edited, it's been checked, especially if, you know, responsible journalism, you're supposed to make sure that all of your sources and all of your quotes and everything that's going into this written word is accurate. It's, there's just, there's value to that source Hmm. and there's value to that written document. Something that, uh, go ahead, Kevin. Isn't, quote unquote, good journalism, a relatively new thing. I mean, we're in the 30s full of yellow journalism. Exactly. And, you know, even before that, bad journalism, where, people, where lies were printed, it was all very slanderous. Not so much lies, just a lot of sensationalism and just a lot of... Okay. But that's the same thing you could say about Glenn Beck. Yeah. People people tell me all the time that Glenn well, Beck I'm is not, an excellent journalist. I'm not disagreeing journalist. with that. <laughs> oh, Bill O'Reilly? Bill O'Reilly, excellent journalist. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> what is that? Telling all of his guests to shut up. Yes, right. excellent journalism. <laughs> you just... that that's, the op- that's what I would call not responsible journalism. Not at all. Right. It's... Completely. CNN, MSNBC. Okay, but, uh, what I'm getting at, and this is, again, I'm trying not to be too much of a digger because <laughs> I really identify with some of the same situation because I work in theater. <laughs> and if there's anything that someone's going to call a dead art form other than opera, it's theater. <laughs> and I know this. And so I spend a lot of my time thinking about what makes the theater different. And, and there are things, but I, I'm pretty much past the point of saying that I think theater in its live traditional form is essential. Hmm. Well, um, I enjoy I, theater, actually. I, so. I like it, too. I, I, and I think I mean, I, I, in, in both situations, both theater and, and newsprint, there's something, something unique about the experience of that medium. So experiencing a play live still is a different human experience than watching it on a DVD. There's the spontaneity, there's the interaction with the people around you, there's you know hearing the actual words, seeing the actual people right there with your own eyes and ears. With journalism on newsprint, it's about feeling the paper. It's about being able to, like Kim mentioned in the chat room, write down on the New York Times crossword puzzle, or the Sudoku, or whatever. It's, it's kind of that tactile feel of it. And that's something that I think people will always appreciate. Yes, there's, there's an aesthetic difference. And aesthetics are important. But to me it feels like, and I mean this is something I struggle with, it's with, with reading a book as opposed to reading an e-book on a Kindle or a Nook. It's something that we're not used to, and that's why we like it. Right. Well, and, and I think that's just a matter of cultural evolution, right? I mean, we're eventually we've gotten used to computers we're going to get used to consuming news in another format, too. Right. It's just, you know, it's a a 30-year adoption rate for technology, so it's going to take time. What about the iPad? Is that the iPad? So the iPad's coming out. They've got deals with New York Times, uh, Washington Post. See what the Wall Street Journal costs on the iPad? It's 
less than the print subscription, I believe. It's around three hundred dollars a year. Really? Yeah. That's not the figure I'd seen. Yeah. <laughs> three hundred dollars a year. Woo. Yeah, but here's the thing. It's the Wall Street Journal. They can charge that much because well, who reads the Wall Street Journal? Exactly. Businessmen. Businessmen. And, and, and the idea is that there's going to be a value add, right? So the right. iPad has the ability to embed video and news stories. You can have, you can do that deep linking where you have, hey, you know, click here for more information on this little topic that we mentioned. Um, and I, presumably the same thing will be true for like the New York Times, for magazines that go in it. They'll be able to include all the content that they had before, but sort of enhance it a little bit. And it won't be just presenting the web page in a different format. It'll be kind of a dynamic page mm-hmm. on this device. Right, an interactive experience. It's, it's neat technology. I don't know if it'll really help us that much. You, you don't think that the, the iPad is a, a way for kind of... It's not the savior. It's not the savior. Well, obviously. I, I, I no not. no one it's, thing. And I, I think no one thing. device is not... The, everybody wants to save the newspaper industry. <laughs> the thing that they're forgetting is it's not just newspapers that are suffering right now. Really? Oh, oh yeah. Ra- radio's Radio suffering. suffering too, yeah. TV news stations are suffering. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the I've got friends that work at you know the, the news outlets in town. And they said when this recession hit that they, their staffs got cut. Mm. They got furlough days. They got they basically it sounded like they were working for a newspaper, but they weren't. Right. Um, it's you know all the same problem. It's not just newspapers. It's everybody. Neat thing about newspapers is is that they've gone through these troubles before. I mean, we've got a hundred and fifty year old business model. It's very resilient. <laughs> too. Yeah. I mean if. The the only media outlet that could probably outlast us is billboards. Yeah. Billboards are an ancient form of media. And they've been <laughs> well, through it all. Yeah. <laughs> and they're everywhere. They're still prolific and they're still profitable. And mm-hmm. so, n- newspapers will be fine. We're just people are trying right to you know find this set formula to save newspapers, but I guess what you need to realize is that while newspapers target a mass audience as a whole, it's a very, very dynamic and diverse audience, and everyone has a different preference. Simon likes his coffee and his print newspaper. Some people <laughs> might want to catch it on their iPhone or something like that. Some people like it on the internet. Some people like to watch Bill O'Reilly. It just, it really is all about, you know, realizing, recognizing that it's a very dynamic audience that we're targeting. And, you know. The saving grace of the newspaper is that we're not just local. I'm going to, I'm going to plug another one of our products. Right. Uh, this is for this is a product we developed for the friendship neighborhood. It's a wealthy, affluent neighborhood um, about southwest of town. I'm not sure. Um, yeah. It's like 114, that area, if you're familiar with Lubbock. Um, basically, it's a weekly product that we print and send out through the mail. Mm-hmm. It's just for this neighborhood. We can do that. Radio can't do that. They broadcast out and it goes to everybody. Right. TV broadcasts out and goes to everybody. We can create special products for each zip code if we want to. Hmm. So, and, and what you're talking about is kind of hyperlocality, which right. is another buzzword that's, you know, and trying to sell it's, itself it's as not, the saving it's grace. It's not the saving grace of the newspaper. It is a tool in our arsenal. Okay. Um, before I came here, I tried to think of all the products that we produce as a newspaper and we produce 20 different products just for the Lubbock market. Hmm. Um, and the AJ is just one of them. Yeah. The, yeah. The, 
the, the Avalanche Journal is our flagship product. But we have an automotive product. We have a real estate product. We have this hyper-local stuff. We have the Red Raider Sports website. We mm-hmm. have a high school sports website, which is written, targeted directly only to high school students in the South Plains. We have wow. a monthly magazine, right? We have a, we have a monthly magazine. Mm-hmm. We have an entertainment product. We, we produce a ton of products. I mean, it's it's not. And people are buying them. And people are buying them. People are subscribing. Hmm. People are buying advertising right? because the, the great yeah, thing about yeah, but fewer it. are buying them. Fewer, but it's not as bad as you would think. Hmm. See, I, I mean, my fear I'm not is just how bad it is, but but the number continues dropping off. Right, but uh, the, these you know, like our entertainment guide. Our entertainment guide is a, is a college age entertainment guide. So mm-hmm. the only place you can really pick it up is on campus. Who you know? What college student doesn't want a a weekly magazine to tell them where all the drink prices are, where the concerts are, where well, Miley Cyrus is going to be this weekend? <laughs> Craigslist. There's but there Craigslist are numerous things on the so eventful.com. I said the same thing about Wikipedia, and it's now the number one search. It, like if you type anything into Google, Wikipedia is on the front page. Right. Unreliable. It's a great it's, starting it's a point. It's We're not living that in, a, in an age of people being able to do anything, good or bad. Uh, the the biggest experiment we've seen with that has turned out surprisingly well. Yes, I still will be dealing with students who will be trying to source Wikipedia in the future, and I'm going to be mad at them for doing it. <laughs> but for generalized information on everything, you go to Wikipedia which does not have a sole editor, does not have a single person in charge saying this is the way we're doing it. And are there problems with it? Certainly. I hate Wikipedia's politics, and that's why I try to avoid it as much as possible. Once every six months or so, I get sucked in and want to kill something. <laughs> Was it you but that told overall, me that I had, like, it works pretty well. a panel of people that go in and make the corrections now? So it's becoming a more reliable source? Well, I, I'm not still really. not privy to the inner workings of Wikipedia. It, most of the time, it's one moderator dealing and making the decision. It's not right. a panel. There's no way that they can pay enough people it's, it's to do not, that. It's not absolutely community-sourced content. Right. Like with the, the uh, Bad Philosophy Wikipedia page, it was one person that decided mm-hmm. whether or not mm-hmm. that was useful. It wasn't mm-hmm. It wasn't truly crowdsourced. Right. Again, I'd say that there are problems with Wikipedia. I'm, I'm not, not, not disagreeing with that, but I'm saying... <laughs> Something is working in their model in that I type in anything into Google that is a thing. One of the top, if not the top source, is Wikipedia. Often Wikipedia beats out the websites for the same products. Right. Well, that's just the traffic. I mean, Google is a popularity contest. Yeah. And No, but that's what I'm saying. Okay, so why is that so popular? If I type in Lubbock Avalanche Journal, I'm doing this right now. Fast and easy. <laughs> I'm curious to see what will pop up. I'm, I'm pretty sure y'all's website will be the first result, but I'm a little bit curious, too. Public yeah. Avalanche Journal is first. Wikipedia is on the front page. Yeah. But it lists out and all of, course, of our Google products search. first. Yeah. AJ's List, our, our entertainment guide, our sports site, two sports sites. And you want to know which one I'm going to click on? Wikipedia. Yeah, because it's a, it's a brand name. Like, it's a known... Quantity. Uh, often when we're, when we're looking away. at search results, we have no idea what's going to be on Frankly, the other side, it's right? Away. <sighs> yeah. 
Well, and, and I mean, I don't want this to get into a debate about the merits of Wikipedia versus journalism. I think both can exist in the in the internet environment, but like you said, Simon, it's it's about serving the needs of a certain of different demographics. Right. Um, someone in the chat room mentioned it's like having your eggs in different baskets, and I think that more than anything, right, is going to be what what keeps newspapers going. Is right. y'all are just going to throw a bunch of spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. We're not seeing what sticks. We know this stuff sticks. We've been doing this stuff for years. I mean, right. uh, the the entertainment guide gets 144,000 uh, print circulation every week. So do y'all of that, have... Of that, we, we take back 5,000. Okay. The others disappear off the newsstands, so... So how much of this is uh, demographically defined? So how, like, how many? What, what's your take up of like the the college entertainment guide versus the hyper local friendship today guide? Friendship today is is mailed to every address within the friendship zip code. So that's not a whether or not thing. they subscribe to it or not. They, right. They're going to get it. Do you keep track of like how many people pick up the the magazines from campus? Then the, we we. You do and you don't, because the weird thing is, is the average <laughs> newspaper gets read three times. Okay. I mean, someone reads it. You know, it's when you when you leave it in public, right? someone reads it. How do how do they know that? I'm curious. Yeah, I, I really am. There curious. was a study done a while ago, and I don't when, know how accurate uh, this study is it's anymore. Just, anymore, especially. <laughs> but I mean, if you ever sit down and watch like people that pick up the DT. They'll take it into a classroom. They'll read it. And leave then it on the leave floor. It in the chair. Leave it in the chair. And then someone will pick someone it up. Someone will pick it up from that chair and read it and then put it down. Or in the hallway. I wonder, though. And the I mean, janitor most... takes the big stack of the ones that weren't read today and puts them in the bottom of every trash can on campus. Right. Yeah. And and we're fine with that because, you know, that, circulate, that bumps up circulation numbers and circulation numbers dictate what the advertising <laughs> price is. See that? I, I so have no idea. We just hire someone to take them directly from the newsstand to the trash can and your circulation numbers would go up. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I, that seems ludicrous to me. I mean, how... That, that's like grilling a bunch of burgers and saying, look how many burgers we grilled. And then throwing, and them, then away. throwing them away when only like two <laughs> of them got eaten. Them. Right. right. Like, what? The trash can did. It, it's, it just seems seems ludicrous, right? Because you're, you're not actually getting accurate information on what people are reading, how often they're reading it. You're, you're just you're just kind of well, speculating. And, and that's why... That's why Something new media can do very well. <laughs> that's yeah. why generally circulation numbers don't reflect... What's given away for free and what's, you know, sent to subscribers. Uh-huh. Generally, circulation numbers reflect how many people bought it. You know, if you if you go to a newsstand and buy a magazine, that affects the circulation numbers. If you subscribe to that magazine, mm-hmm. doesn't affect circulation numbers. Okay. Or say like, say a hundred newspapers are sold, but you know, average three people read one newspaper, then the news information is getting out to more than a hundred people. Right. So. Right. I mean, I, I mean, it got to a point. Both your parents read the newspaper, right? <laughs> Probably, That's yeah. one newspaper right. sold, That's but two people are getting that news information. I'll tell you, though, we, we have cut down our subscriptions in the, the so recent we, years, though. Yeah. Um, we pretty much just get our, our local paper, the Williamson County Sun, and the Austin American Statesman every Sunday. We don't get... We used to get Tuesday's edition. We used to get Saturday and Sunday. But we get a lot more information online now. I, I, once my mom got a computer, 
she really doesn't get much information from the newspaper anymore. Well, which is why I don't think that the dropping circulation numbers are actually reflecting the death of newspapers. I think that people in you know the economy right now they're just you know cutting out the luxuries and you know having a newspaper delivered so to your door. So having a newspaper is a luxury. Is a luxury. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. You know, if you can just get it on the go and not you know have to spend money on it, I think people are going to take that I initiative mean, and get it somewhere else. One of the TV outlets in town ran a news story, I guess this would have been back May, about you know how the Lemon Avalanche Journal was suffering financially because we raised our, our circulation cost by about 75 cents. It was the first time the newspaper had changed their price in 10 years. Crazy. So it was kind of like, well, yeah, we raised our rates because gas went up, paper went up, ink went up. Yeah. We went up 75 cents, and it's the first time in a decade. But there have been a lot of gas fluctuations in the last decade. <laughs> right, you can't ha- just use that. There has been. <laughs> but, I mean, can you think of any product that hasn't raised its cost in 10 years? Oh, well, I mean, inflation, obviously. Right. It's going to go up. So, everyone's like, oh, newspapers are dying, newspapers are dying. It took us 10 years to raise the cost. toothpaste hasn't gone up in the last 10 years. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I would I, like to see the price yeah, of toothpaste. I honestly have a track of price of things in 10 years. I just know that everything goes up. Well, yeah, we look at the consumer price index, right? right? The average costs of everything across the board. Some things obviously aren't going to change as fast, but on average, yeah, everything gets more expensive. Yeah, That's how the economy works. Just uh, looking at the chat room a little bit here. Yes, Kevin, you have been on the attack. <laughs> uh, it's good to have you back on the show and uh, at your wits. But I, I want to ask... A related question, and we've talked about newspapers, I think, enough at this point. Journalism, though. I want to hear from y'all where you think journalism is going with the the whole new media expansion. Because we've been seeing a lot more of, okay, bloggers going on doing personal reporting, some really good journalism, I think, traditional journalism, but putting it only on the the Internet. Uh, Contributors to the Huffington Post, contributors to... um, uh, what's another kind of aggregate site? That AOL seed thing. AOL seed. Well, that that's a different beast. That's that's not journalists who publish online doing stuff. That's ordinary people right. contributing to kind of a cumulative news source type of a thing for for very small fees. Do y'all see journalism staying as much with the professionals that have you know gone through, gotten a college degree, maybe gotten a master's? worked at a traditional media site, do you see them being the authority still, or a lot more information maybe crowdsourced coming from individuals who just happen to be on the scene? Is stuff the, like that. The cat's out of the bag, so in the future it's going to be a mix of both. A mix I, of both. I agree with that. I think okay. that while um, professional journalists have a lot more access to certain news, um, there's nothing wrong with blogging as long as it's... And, and ultimately... It's, it's the credibility of the institution. The Avalanche Journal has a ton of, of credibility. That's why they break certain stories before others do. Mm-hmm. It's because they know you can't let this story out until after 5 p.m. Okay, we will respect that. You know, that's, that's what uh, Bobby Knight did. He, went, he drove up to the AJ himself, pulled the sports editor aside and said, Hey, look, I just quit, but you can't tell anyone until 5 p.m. Because <laughs> he didn't so want to they have, They're respectable because they're willing to kowtow to people's demands who are the, actually in the news. <laughs> right. Well, it's... it's yeah, I mean, you That's got, what you just said. But That's what I heard. 
But you've got respect goes both ways. You've got you've got to play the game. You know, there's there's the gatekeepers well, of knowledge, the reporters, and was very successful. Right. And this is before new media. Hunter S. Thompson, <laughs> campaign trail seventy two. But, um, but for a year, he followed the seventy two campaign. I've been reading the book recently in what little spare time I have, and he didn't play the game. And he's the one who got to be get in a limo with Richard Nixon and talk to him. As long as they didn't talk about politics, they had to talk about football. Right. But but, but, but that's play playing the game. the game also. Because he wasn't allowed to... You're yeah, not and then allowed. he immediately turned around and said, Richard Nixon is a horrible person, don't vote for him. <laughs> right? But he played the game to get the story that he needed. Yeah. Ultimately... That wasn't a story. He, the, the story was he talked about football. That's not a story. The story was that he was honestly doing the things he was doing, not caring who he pissed off, because he thought the people out there had a right to know. That's every blogger today, or so they think. Hmm trying to carry that spirit forward into the internet. Right. Yeah. And, and But there are times when you respect the rules, and there are times when you don't respect the rules. Um, this is one of those times when it, when it was. Because they upset tech, and all of a sudden you know, the Avalanche Journal is locked out of every tech event. That can happen. You've got the biggest, okay, so you got the biggest employer in town up, shutting you out. People are going to go get it. The reason it's on tech campus is because they you know, won't piss off tech, which says their loyalties don't lie with me, the reader. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 definitely a line that you have to walk. <laughs> I, I, and I'm so you're going to follow to the one with the most money, a.k.a. tech. I understand that. But the bloggers have this ability to not get paid for what they're doing, and thus can say whatever they want. But you see, I'm locked out of a lot of things. Uh, yeah. Well, and and what? Who are people going to read? I mean, the ones that that don't just say whatever they want, the ones that have right. some consistency, you know, some respect that that almost sort of fit into the the old media model, but are using a new medium to express it. Uh, all right. Well, what about Maddox? M a d d o x. Um, if you type Maddox at Google, he'll be the first one that shows up. Who? does not follow the old media thing. He says whatever he wants and has one of the most popular pages in the universe. But then again, Kevin, I'm going I'm to post this link to the chat room. You're going to end up with people like this guy. And send. And go. And there we go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This guy is, is a blogger. He declared himself a journalist. And... batshit crazy? Really? <laughs> But so, see, this is where I get to come in as a consumer and say, I don't need to read him because he's crazy. Or, <laughs> I like him. He's crazy. I'm going to read everything he says. Oh, oh, I read his stuff all the time just purely because of that. He, For uh, entertainment. Yeah, yeah. he uh, got upset with our editor uh, one day and uh, decided to draw take a photo of him and put a swastika on his forehead and post it all over the internet Um, if you don't know Terry Terry's a nice man parents survived the holocaust that's not cool (laughs) Yeah, he he posted it on our website and I was like okay Yeah, gotta deal with this today delete so, actually, I want to kind of go back to to you on the journalism topic. Okay. What are what are your professors saying about um, journalists in, in new media? Is it sort of the same thing? Have your eggs in a bunch of different baskets, or maybe specialize into 
you know, audio production or hyperlocality or what? If you what ever look at how the curriculum for a journalism major is structured, um, while you can say that you kind of majored in a concentration of either broadcast, online, or print, um, mm -hmm. you're not going to graduate with a degree in broadcast journalism. They have kind of emphasized the fact that a journalist needs to graduate from college adaptable. Right. You know, you can work in any medium. Uh, journalism is a constantly revolving field, it's, so you kind of have to be on your toes and you have to realize that one day you might be reporting on the side of the street with someone in front of a camera, you might be um, online, or you may be, you know, typing an article. It's all about um, adaptable reporting. Okay. And um, because, you know, the world is, it's not always going to be easy to report a certain way. Um, certain places and like courtrooms, you can't take a camera in there. Um, yet. For certain, for, <laughs> but you can for tweet from it. You, can't, you, you can, can tweet, tweet from, from it. Yes, you, you can tweet, tweet from, from a courtroom. courtroom. Wow. Um, but which, which has become a very popular thing to do, especially with you know this whole Mike Leach thing. Yes. You've got a reporter sitting in the, in the courtroom tweeting out what's going on, answering questions, mm -hmm. kind of, you know, and that's being posted to our website so people can respond to them through our website because it runs through... Uh, Go to Live, I think is the name of the product. Mm -hmm. hmm. It's just a chat room that gets dumped to the website. See, I'm wondering if, if if that's okay. Why not just live stream the trial There's, and have a chat room? Oh, going? It goes, there it goes are all way sorts back. of There's rules so about many reasons. that. Um, I mean, it, where do you put the microphone? Do you put the microphone by the 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 defendant who whispers something to his lawyer, uh, and what about that gets picked TV? up. I've seen courts on court TV. That's strictly entertainment. So yeah. <laughs> strictly entertainment. No, not the earlier days. In the earlier days, they had cameras in courts. And it it depends on the case. It depends on the in the federal court. There is no cameras. It is very strict. No cameras. You can do um, a lot of court TV stuff. Does reenactments, but you know, like local courts. No cameras for whatever reason. Um, in fact, there's a variety of reasons. Uh, like you saw the O.J. Simpson trial, that was more of a circus than it was a trial. When you have, <laughs> and and if you've ever been in a, in a press pit, it's it's a lot of this. It's elbowing, trying to jockey for position. And it's a huge distraction to what's going on in the case. I mean, when you want to try a case, you want something that's fair and, and you know. If your jury's not paying attention to the case, they're paying attention to what, you know, the idiot cameramen are doing. It can't be a fair case. Well, I, I would I would like to see this, this sort of live tweeting thing evolve. Uh, maybe even live blogging, if they'll allow that. I think that would be really cool. It's harder to take a laptop in than it is to, than it is just to take your cell phone. So, and but fact, I think I think in some federal courts, it depends on the judge, no cell phones. Okay. You... you Turn off your cell phone. You put it in a box with a, a, a federal marshal. It all depends on the judge, ultimately. Yeah. Some judges do not allow certain things in their courtroom, and and which says a lot about the justice system and that there's more and more arbitrary rules as defined by the judges. Yeah. Right. But that's another argument entirely. But but, but ultimately, the judge sits and, and is is trying to to balance out the proceedings, and if they have an opinion about a certain way of doing things. Um, the, the courts have upheld, you know, higher courts have upheld that. Oh, this judge doesn't allow cell phones. Well, it's it's not an issue that we want to debate. It's not an issue that we want to argue about because it really doesn't, you know, affect much of whether or not this person is innocent or guilty. So it's mm -hmm. it's a, a moot point. 
Well, before we uh, wrap things up here, I just want to talk one more time about uh, the sort of distributed journalistic model like AOL Seed. Um, any other... What's, an, what's another big one that's going on right now? Um, I think About.com is doing the sort of two. Uh, but About.com is a New York Times product, and, and they oh, hire... You're a contractor, you're a freelancer, mm-hmm. but you're hired. Right. Um, Seed is basically crowdsourced content... And but in we a, might pay you, but we might not. Yeah. Well, and another thing, too, is uh, I think the statesman mentioned this when we were at the um, award ceremony, that they get a lot of people sending in, say, photos from a scene much sooner than they we can get their too. photojournalists on. Y'all, y'all include... Do, we, do you we, pay the people who send in photos? No. Okay. They, they do it, and we're like, okay, well, we'll put your name to it. But mm-hmm. I mean, It's the same thing as, as CNN iReport. But you get paid... Right, but I'm an employee of the of the paper. Um, it's like it's like seeing it. I well, yeah, but and, and that's, it, oh, that's unfair. That's stealing. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah. It's it's like seeing an I report. You don't get paid to be an I report reporter. You you get a, your 15 minutes of fame, which is something. But I I don't know if that'll if yeah, that'll be cool. Minutes of fame for sitting outside the student union building with a sign. <laughs> so there are better ways to do that if that's what I want. Right. Right. And ultimately, it's it's the institution, and not. I mean, we're we're a very institutionalized culture, and we place value in, uh, you know, not the one lone nut who's who's blogging about things. We place value in the, you know, in the local paper, and and, and you know, and before before we go out of this, I want to I want to do now. Yeah. Not for long. Well, and do you think it's a question of, of um, authority? Maybe like a, a newspaper or some sort of a news source going, looking at content, wherever it may come from, and going, this is true, or this is authoritative, or this is, this is the source. Yeah. And, and just mere, mere, purely by name. I mean, it doesn't really matter whether it comes from an employee of the AJ or whether it comes from someone doing their own original research and submitting it to y'all. The newspapers and the news, the news outlets are, like you said, the gatekeepers of information, right? They say, you know, you shall not pass. No, you can come in. This is what we're going to endorse. There are all sorts right? of gatekeepers. I mean, the, the secretary... To the CEO, what what are you doing with duct tape? <laughs> I don't know what Kevin is doing. I'm with using duct tape myself right as always. <laughs> okay, um, you know, the secretaries stand as gatekeepers. If if you want to talk to the CEO of of a company, mm-hmm. the secretary is ultimately the gatekeeper that you have to, you have to play you know the game to get past her. And and do you think I, I personally I like that model, and and I think we're going that direction more and more. Uh, Mashable, for instance gets a lot of contributors from various places. They have very few employees. Right. But they their name goes on these articles that come from outside. And once it goes once the Mashable name goes on it, it's authoritative. Right. I think the New York Times and, and CNN are kind of like becoming the same things. They're getting content from a lot of sources, but putting their like stamp of approval on it is what makes it authoritative. Right. So I, I'm I like that. I personally I think that's a good way to move forward. So y'all can put out a lot of products. You can get information from a lot of places, but you act as sort of the mediator between the public and the the content. Right, and, and you've you've still got to sit there and read the content, and make sure it's true. Right. right. You've you've got you know. Like, these journalistic things aren't going away, right, Ashley? Like, journalistic and integrity. And sure. I mean, integrity. It's ethics. just no, switching if anything, mediums. I think that people, journalists, are getting better at 
you know, taking the more public initiative and making sure that they're reporting well rather than the profitless primary. I just think. Yeah, but and the profitless primary has never been an issue for journalists because it's separation of church and state. It is completely se- mm-hmm. separation of church and state. Uh, church is the responsible reporters putting um, the public's welfare ahead, and then of course state is the business, you know, putting the circulation numbers and. Right. Huh. I mean, there there have been you know, uh, you know I, I work with a lot of the ad reps. They're you know they're constantly mad at the newsroom because you know the newsroom wrote an article that upset. An advertiser. Mm-hmm. Sorry about you. The advertiser screwed up and did yes. something wrong. Mm-hmm. We reported on. There is a firewall between the reporters of a of a newspaper company and the you they, know the they managers. Do not even socialize yeah. outside um, of work. I, there's there's been fights in newsrooms. There's um in fact one of the things that we just talked about in my principles of journalism class was the Staples Center controversy where um it was the Los Angeles Times took shared um, advertising revenue with the Staples Center Sports Arena and um, some of the reporters found out about it and they called out one of the managers in the lunchroom and there was almost a fist fight and it basically it just kind of proves that while um, we're you know, separated by a floor and we have separate cafeterias yes they <laughs> don't even they don't even it just shows that while um, you know business people are going to take profit as the initiative, mm-hmm. um, there are those good journalists, and that is why journalism is going to thrive, I have no doubt. Any uh, closing how comments from you, Kevin? is an audience member supposed to determine a good journalist from a bad one? Okay, uh, one person in the chat room mentioned consensus, so it's sort of like what everybody recognizes as the authoritative source is the authoritative source. Right. And I, th- right. I think the public's pretty good about like sniffing out bullshit, I'll be honest. like We're getting right. much better hey. at finding it. Kathleen has a good point. Um, she said, I usually end up doing my own research. One of the things that is probably the most important thing as an audience member, as a news consumer, don't ever just read from one source. You have to constantly challenge your beliefs. You have to constantly um, do your own research, and you have to um, compare what one newspaper is saying to the other one. So that's an awesome point that she made. Um, you really just have to constantly be challenging your news consumerism, I guess. Yeah. The, the, I mean, uh, it's, it's caveat emptor once again. Exactly. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, when, let's talk about, you know, before we went to Austin, a, a lone nut job flew a plane into yeah. the IRS building. That was awful. Um, Twitter was my jumping ground to the American statesman, to the local, you know, Austin community newspapers, to the Austin, you know, TV stations. Right. And then from there I jumped to CNN. And from there I jumped, you know, I, I kept... You know, I started locally and then expanded outwards. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's and, what people and, are going to do. And every newspaper's got this local attitude. I went to the, the Washington Post three years ago, four years ago. Just you know, took a tour with a, a man by the name of Rob Curley, who is in, in the the online journalism world. He's the rock star. He's yeah. the guy who knows his stuff. And everybody there was just. You know, we may be the national newspaper to other people, but to us, we're local. Right. We don't care about what's going on in the White House. The only reason we cover the White House is it's our backyard. Yeah. You know, we, we focus on what's important in D.C. Cool. Well, we're uh, running out of time here on Bad Philosophy, unfortunately, so uh, really good discussion. Uh, thank you all for, for being on the show once again. I'll, I'll go through each one of you all and let you plug some stuff. Ashley, where can uh, people follow you, get a hold of you if, you, if they so choose? 
You're on Twitter, right? I'm on Twitter. It is ashbash35. And I guess you can email me. Ashley.liles at ttu.edu. Cool. And uh, Simon, you've plugged your stuff before, but uh, go ahead and remind folks where they can find you. SimonPonder.net is my website, and it's twitter.com slash linear, L-E-N-I-R-E. Cool. And uh, Kevin, live from Oxford, Ohio, where can people get a hold of you? Uh, Always on Twitter at twitter.com slash kevsund, K-E-V-S-A-U-N-D, as well as YouTube under the same name where I have transformed Kevin Review something every day into an ironically titled video blog. Fantastic. Good to hear. Also, I, I do I, want to say one last thing, because I like to have the last word, even though Steve's going to say something afterwards. <laughs> yes. Which, I said this in chat, um, I don't think the newspapers are ever going to go away, but they're going to be minimized in society and become a niche object, not unlike theater. Okay. It's not going to get that depressing. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you for that. Theater's not depressing. I still love it, but it is a niche item. It is. Uh, Well, thank you for that last comment, Kevin. As you mentioned, I I do say stuff after you. You can follow this show at twitter.com slash badphilosophy. Uh, I'm in the process of remaking our Zazzle store. They decided to change up their uh, clothes-making engine and not keep any of the previous products that people had created. So look for uh, items in the store soon. Uh, once again, we do invite you to, uh, to let us know if you can come on the show via Skype. Uh, we'll probably do a, a completely uh, fan call-in episode next week. So uh, at Reply Us on Twitter if you're interested in joining. So we thank you all for uh, watching or listening, depending on how you all chose to consume us. And we'll see you next time on Bad Philosophy. I would like to uh, point out to our viewers out there that we are drinking both Dr. Pepper and Coca-Cola products at the moment. F*** Pepsi. Although Pepsi was delicious at South by. It was. And those little tiny shot glasses of Pepsi. All I had was Mountain Dew. Oh. I am much more of a Mountain Dew fan, I think. I'm on. It reminds me of Surge. Surge. Mm Mm-hmm. Jolt was always better than Surge. Was it? Yes. Vault? Jolt's back. Jolt. Jolt is back? Jolt, is, Jolt never left. But he went to Albertsons. Mm. But Albertsons is gone. Yeah. I would like to see them bring Surge back. It's, it's like Resurge or... Surge. No. no, Resurge is the only way you would be Resurgence. Able to... Resurgence. Surge is the reason I was a fat little kid. Really? Yeah. Because of all the sugar in it? Oh, yeah. I was a fat little kid because of Surge. Philosophy.com. What the hell?